Welcome everyone to my weekly blog, recorded for you as a podcast this week and entitled, If You Were a Trustee on the Board of the Grower School. You know, the Grower School has a wonderful board of trustees uh, who do a fine job of standing up on the balcony, looking out over the work we do towards our mission and verifying its goodness. I report to them almost every month with an arsenal of data, both qualitative and quantitative, and I love doing that because I love our mission, and I'll do almost anything to make sure it succeeds. We don't have a meeting of our trustees this month, but I have a lot on my mind, so I'll tell you all what I would tell them this month. It feels like we're coming out of the most disruptive occurrence of our lifetime, and I want to report a little on what that means for our school. Times of transition are a good time to share the state of the school. A few months ago, mid-pandemic, the Pew Research Center conducted a survey to identify pandemic impacts. And even though we all had some losses, 73% of independent schools studied experienced unexpected upsides. And those upsides were reflected in a wide variety of Grower School games. Change and uncertainty have always been constants. We have learned to look into the nooks and crannies to find opportunities now more than ever. A recent report of the World Economic Forum pointed out that the pandemic forced schools like ours to flex our adaptability muscles. Sure, we've gone through exhausting times, but we face them with conviction. We learn to accommodate all sorts of educational and emotional needs, not just for our students, but for our families. Our communities saw Grower's adaptability and that commitment to personal, live, non-virtual mentoring and instruction, and people sought us out more than ever across our region. Enrollment inquiries reached new heights. In some parts of the, of the country, virtual schools or home schools made greater gains. But in our area, our school actually thrived during these times. Of course, we have some elements of home and virtual school right here at Grower, and we've enhanced those. We experienced these gains while in the general population, just two in five parents nationwide feel optimistic about education. Not so at Grower, we think. At Grower, that number is closer to five in five. On the other hand, we definitely ticked some people off because the polemics of the pandemic times have been out of control. So maybe the number is more like four in five. We'll survey this soon and report back. But examples of Grower adapt are almost everywhere we look. One great example I love is of the, uh, of the value of flexibility during COVID was Morgan Brown's physics class. The exam he had prepared on the topics of periodic motion, waves, oscillations, and sound was always a written exam. But during COVID, Morgan gave students the option of building a relevant instrument and creating an original song on it. The option proved so popular that he's kept this option going, knowing that it has unforgettable lessons in the area he wants students to master. I could write this whole column just on such fascinating teacher adaptations in giving students more choices. Likewise, the concept of student choices has become a sub-theme for our whole faculty during this time. 
We understand that students' sense of self-motivation is the key that unlocks creativity and purposefulness. So we surveyed all students this month school-wide and found their intrinsic motivation very high. They're taking courses not just because they have to, but because they like them. They know it's good for them. They're interested in them. Intrinsic motivation. And students feel free to be creative. Average scores by department range from around four to all the way up to around 4.7 out of a possible five in students' sense of intrinsic motivation and creativity. And there are, we use a wide variety of indicators to show this. Uh, this would be the envy of any school and yet never getting complacent. Surveying always helps us to set new and more specific goals for motivation. So we're working with individual students and individual teachers to tweak these scores. New nationwide research is coming out fast, supporting Grower's historic emphasis on authentic student-driven project-based and naturalist instruction to balance traditional academics. Not to replace them, but to balance them. Of course, there are organizational changes underway at Grower as well in making not just our students, but our whole school more adaptable, relevant, and durable. These changes can be found in finance, governance, management, and of course, pedagogy. We're being built to last. The average enrollment of an NAIS school is 367 students, more than twice Grower, but our size, small by design, modest by design, has been proving itself to be robust. Pressure is increasing on us to consider record numbers of completed applications. It's harder to get in, and our admissions rate fell to below even the coveted CAIS norms, data that reflects extremely well on our faculty, marketability, relevance, and mission achievement. About 10% of families choose independent schooling nationwide, but at least four or five times that many would if cost were not a factor. Just imagine if Grower were free. And while you're imagining, consider this, Grower's financial aid grew faster than ever, even as we held tuition to around inflation levels. Why? I think this is because our parents see the enormous value of helping deserving kids in our community get access to what we do and to share this with their own kids. As enrollment continues to, endowment continues to grow, Grower will become closer to free every year. Independent school leaders nationwide are worried about meeting the need for increasing financial aid. At NAIS member schools, around 23% of students receive financial aid and have for over a decade. While Grower's financial aid percentage has traditionally been lower than that as we've built our campus, it has risen every year for at least seven years straight, now surpassing 10% of our budget this coming year and meanwhile, our endowment has climbed to over $4,600 per student. And this May, we're hosting one of the most important gala fundraisers in our history, the Access to Grower Financial Aid Gala, with a cowboy Western theme, no less. So our endowment will surpass $3 million this year, and our board is targeting $20 million over 20 years, starting in 2020. 
This goal will define us and we're well on our way. This will allow us to include the most deserving and diverse students into our student body as demographics shift in the post-pandemic generation. How are we doing on that? Against our $4,600 per student endowment average, NAIS average is over 11,000. So we're chasing them. And the 75th percentile schools have reached $42,000 average endowment per student. We're beginners. But when, when, when we're putting our minds and commitments on this, we're going to start a substantial march over these next 18 years in this 20-year campaign. Student diversity is on the rise in our country. Today, children of color up to age 17 make up 53% of the U.S. population. Of course, we understand that this is not the demographic in our local community, which we strive to reflect. What we are seeing at Grower is record numbers of students identifying as mixed race. This easily could be a growing aspect of our future. For this reason, I want to amend what I just said about striving to reflect our local community. We actually, through international admissions and our growing financial aid fund, are attempting to stay out front of the local demographic changes that we're seeing locally. This is another way we hope to prepare local students for an increasingly diverse world. Encinitas consists of 22% non-white population and 6% below poverty level. NAIS schools overall admit 31% students of color, and Grower now has enrolled 22% to match Encinitas. International student recruitment has long been a hallmark design feature of our school. My own family has hosted five international students or teachers for semesters or years at a time. I recommend you try this. This program is a wonderful contributor of diversity amongst our student population, and it suffered during the pandemic days. We could not be more excited to see several new international student admits for the coming academic year. We just started a new one today. I think international education is coming back to life and our pandemic takeaway is simply to treasure that internationalism a bit more. These students add enormously to our culture and the developing, maturing perspectives of our students as they make lifelong friends. Only 20% of schools nationwide believe they will meet their international student targets in the 2022 to 2023 year, and over 40% of schools envision their international programs shrinking in the coming five years. Not so for us. At Grower, we believe we will exceed our target of at least 3% international students. When people inquire these days, we're increasingly gratified that so many know of our international reputation. Another pandemic-driven trend identified in the report for the World Economic Forum was a deeper understanding that mental health is every bit as important as physical health. At Grower, we focused on our core values, faculty training, marketing, and across-the-board messaging on community well-being and connection. We were focused on this hard and constantly. We routinely focused directly on this with students in our core values cohort groups as well. This topic 
emotional as well as intellectual uh, life is alive on campus, along with spiritual development. One of the best and most important examples of our balanced focus has been Grower's piloting of nationally normed testing of student well-being. I really want everyone to understand this program. We've promoted this emergent form of testing and school evaluation while watching schools nationwide abandon reliance on College Board SAT testing and abandon reliance on standardized achievement testing. Some of our supposedly tried and true forms of student testing have shown to have enormous shortfalls in providing the student outcomes, equity, and predictive power we need of them. Simply put, standardized achievement tests as we've known them and college boards do not tell us enough about what we need to know about which students are successful and promising. I continue to be dismayed at the trend of lawsuits filed by students and interest groups have be, who have become incensed when school boards and universities, most notably the Chinese student class action at Harvard, for example, when they attempt to evolve their admission systems to abolish requirements based primarily on grades and test scores. Harvard's action was not discrimination. It was a key step towards a more broad-minded, more authentic measure of education and purpose, such as the Grower School has always held. The real discrimination lies in the notion that the more selective and test score focused a college students go to, the better their experience will be. That's the big lie. Districts and universities are finding more balanced ways for admissions, and they're holding character in higher esteem, pun intended. At Grower, character and test scores are just two among at least 20 admissions factors, so sue us. Nor do we limit our enrollment enrolled students to reductionist evaluation methods. More than ever at Grower, We've learned to measure what matters to us most, including our core values, and to cycle our findings into our direct programming for a better, healthier school. I don't believe a school should give students tests and assessments that they do not use towards school and social improvement. Plus, I want to know what students' sensitivity to the natural world we all do harmful, th harmful things daily, and we're not even aware of them. There are so many other things we can't always measure from a chair or from filling in score sheet bubbles. At Grower, we're much less interested in your AP, advanced placement scores, than we are in your IC, intellectual curiosity. And this has taken AOC, all our courage, as departing from the old ways and pursuing a bigger vision always does. Now, third finding by the World Economic Forum is the increasing difficulty in maintaining public trust. Trust is the foundation of any healthy democratic community, yet trust in our core institutions has been eroding for decades, and I think this problem is getting worse. Most recently, we all watched on TV as a large chunk of our country supported the obvious attempt to subvert an actual presidential election. That whole time, I was imagining, what if, what if people treated our school campus like those insurrectionists treated the nation's capital? 
I find some of those who govern us to be racist, sexist, and vile, a trend towards divisiveness and with low regard for our understanding of democratic principles. To me, these imply huge educational problems. And at Grower, we continue to address these problems by acting locally and focusing on the trust we can build within our own community right here on, on campus. The pandemic has left us some baggage in the area of healthy communities, no doubt. We remain divided on how to treat over 7 million immunocompromised adults, almost 3%. Is that their problem or is that all of our problems? Can we treasure our individual freedoms while still looking after one another? I know this issue is alive in pretty much every Grower household. I believe being in a small connected community like Grower is the best way to find answers to questions like that, eye to eye. I maintain my sense of openness, even if that's work. Across the country, we see our trust relationships have been threatened in so many ways through this pandemic, and many have succumbed to depression. We were grappling with the implications of a fragile planet and growing inequalities that were accelerating well before the pandemic struck. From our campus perspective, now that this pandemic seems to be receding, we are left with a critical and treasured lesson for education. And we embrace the challenges these leave. We're committed that they'll make us more equitable, more resilient and flexible, more far-sighted, healthier, safer, and central to our mission, more compassionate. I believe our relationships as members of our unique school community will be more treasured than ever, hence stronger. We will measure all this share the data with you. When the time comes, please be a heart, part of this effort by participating in our family and alumni surveys. Now you have a glimpse of what you might have heard if we had a board meeting and you were a trustee. It's not always easy being a trustee since as parents, you might naturally be thinking about the interests of your own child alone. But as a board member, you're looking at the achievement of the whole mission and all of our students and families. It can be hard to separate those two, especially when your child has a bad day. Likewise, it's not the greatest time to be ahead of school these days with many heads walking with their feet. In these times, I know I am liable to hear strong criticism from people demanding that I do completely opposite things. And yet I'm comfortable with this and tend to appreciate it. I don't need to agree with everyone on everything to embrace multiple perspectives a little better and to deepen my insights. I do worry though about the erosion in the perception of education in our country. Let's talk about that. Thank you for hearing this report or reading it. Now that now you might also have insight on why our board members sometimes tell me, Stuart, you, can you try to make your reports a little shorter? And I'm terrible at that. No matter, I treat every family, staff, and faculty member like a trustee because that's the way I feel about you all. Let me know how you think the mission is going. And thank you very much.